And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who trusts their children in college. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, is it beautiful here today. I'm not on Milleronia, and there are reasons for that, I'll tell you, but Colonel Jeff and I are in the studio in my house on the mainland. And, oh, it's just so beautiful here, though. And yes, that music makes me feel even more beautiful, if that's possible. But you know what? I love that music, and so does Colonel Jeff. And of course, that's the Dean Martin Orchestra and the Stella Stevens Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question, If you apply for a job as a cab driver, will they hire you if you have a checkered past? Yes. Brad, yes, they will. That's a terrific question, by the way. It's fun. It's witty. But, uh, yeah, if, even if you have a checkered past, if you apply for a job as a cab driver, will they hire you? Yes. And I think the evidence of that is that, as you all know, and as Colonel Jeff knew, too, anyone gets hired today. I think that's kind of it, especially as, as cabbies. Anyone will be hired as a cab. Charles Manson would be hired today. Someone from Jupiter would be hired today, and that's that's the way it goes. So, you know, you don't even have to look at the odd name with the strange letters in it on the license on the dashboard. As you get in that cab, just glance at the driver and you you know, you'll be you'll be thinking, Oh no, no, oh that's no man. But that's the way it goes. Good good question though, Brad. If you apply for a job as a cab driver, will they hire you if you have a checkered past? Yes, they will. And by the way, folks, in all friendship and honesty with all of you, if they don't hire you, if you apply for a job as a cab driver and they don't hire you and they say, please leave now, I think that's a statement about you. I think you should really consider that. Leave leave that office there. And uh, don't go out to get something to eat. Go join a health club. Do something, for God's sake, and and just start to really, well, put yourself back together again. I think that's a bottom line of cabbying, of if you can't get hired as a cab driver, join a health club. Everyone should be hired as a cabbie. Good question, though, Brad. If you apply for a job as a cab driver, will they hire you if you have a checkered past? Yes, they will. And there's so much to say also. The reason I chose Dean Martin today as our orchestra leader is that, and and Colonel Jeff agreed that, well, he was so great. And, of course, his partner for 10 years, and they revolutionized stand-up comedy, and especially for duos, for team comedy, from 1946 to 1956. I think those were the years, and they... They changed the face of comedy in America forever. And that was Martin and Lewis. 
Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, and as I'm sure you know, Jerry Lewis passed away just a couple of days ago, and he deserves a tip of the hat from all of us. And I'll tell you more coming up, and with someone else who was just one of the funniest people ever. And I mentioned Stella Stevens today, by the way, because actually there's no reason, to be honest. I thought, you know what? Her name just popped into my head. I worked with her son, Andrew Stevens, in the first play I was in. And uh, he was a fine guy. Was, we had a great time together, big cast. And But boy, oh boy, that's Stella Stevens. I think she was in one of the Matt Helm movies. She was in a lot of movies. but And a terrific actress. And boy, oh boy, what a beautiful woman. And those were... Well, those were the reasons I just picked her today. She popped into my head, and I'm glad she did. And, uh, well, we'll get to the rest when we get to the rest. And uh, so, you know what? That's that's a good start. And here's a good second step. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal. PayPal, boy, when you work with PayPal, you feel like you're saving the world. And who knows, folks, maybe you really are. And you know what, if if you if you would enjoy my show here, and why wouldn't you, and you want to send us a few bucks just to help out, and why wouldn't you, what you do is you go, well, you go get through PayPal. You do that through PayPal. And you can get to PayPal anywhere, you know, on anything, anything, any device you have, an iPhone, a laptop, any way you want to. But you know what the best way is? Go through our website. That's right, at LarryMillerPodcast.com. I didn't even have have to hesitate to try and remember that. I think I always have. Well, that means next week I won't. (laughs) I'll have no idea. But you know what, folks? Go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have had the locks. But you know what, folks? I love, I love that saxophone blat. And uh, well, you go to our website. The point is, and there is a special banner that says PayPal on it. Instead of saying, I don't like to say donate or pay what you like, or you, you know what, I always like to say, buy us some drinks. I think that's the best way to know what to give because there are different levels: levels one through five. All the way up to... We're driving to Florida! Boy, they sound extra happy today, too. Must be that music. Boy, oh boy. But you know, do that, folks. Look for the PayPal banner on our website at LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. (laughs) <laughs> and that was extra silly today. I like that very much. But it means a lot to us. Every little bit helps. Helps keep the old leg lamp lit. And thank you to everyone who's contributed already. And thank you for everyone who's just about to. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. <laughs> I like that too. Boy, I feel just dandy today in a happy mood. I hope you are too, folks. <laughs>
And uh, this is a, a good joke. Both, both the colonel and I really liked it. Uh, young man walks into his church because he wants a confessional with his priest. And he sits down on his side of the booth, and the priest sits down. And the uh, priest says to him, okay, uh, what, what have you done? Tell me about it. And the man says, uh, well, Father, I'll be honest with you. Yesterday, I sinned uh, with an 18-year-old girl. And the priest said, uh, well, all right. Uh, first of all, go to the store and buy 18 lemons and then take them to your home and uh, cut them in half and squeeze them and squeeze all the the juice out of the 18 lemons into a glass and drink it all right there. And the fellow says, and that'll free me from my sins? And the priest says, no, it'll just get that damn smirk off your face. <laughs> we like that very much. I thought that was kind of cute. I didn't see that one coming. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> The Colonel and I both like that one very much. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. Boy, this really is a favorite part of the show to me. Uh, this is by the great Ralph Waldo Emerson, the American poet and writer and speaker and uh, from the 19th century, a great writer, a great uh, philosopher, and it's called A Nation's Strength. What makes a nation's pillars high and its foundations strong? What makes it mighty? to defy the foes that round it throng. It is not gold. Its kingdom's grand go down in battle shock. Its shafts are laid on sinking sand, not on abiding rock. Is it the sword? Ask the red dust of empires passed away. The blood has turned their stones to rust, their glory to decay. And is it pride? Ah, that bright crown has seemed to nations sweet, but God has struck its luster down in ashes at his feet. Not gold, but only men can make a people great and strong, men who for truth and honor's sake stand fast and suffer long, brave men who work while others sleep, who dare while others fly. They build a nation's pillars deep and lift them to the sky. Isn't that lovely? I thought that was dandy. The Colonel, too. Thank you, Mr. Emerson. There's a good lesson in that, too. And uh, that brings me to my third favorite part of the show... M-M-M, Triple M, The Magic Movie Moment. And 
And this is a good movie. I, I have loved this my whole life, this movie. As a kid, and then as an adolescent, and then someone who's turned back into a kid again. That's me today. But you know what? It's a terrific movie. It's called God is My Co-Pilot from 1945, starring Dennis Morgan, Alan Hale. Oh, it's just terrific. Alan Hale, by the way, was, uh, oh, is, well, Alan Hale Jr.'s father. Alan Hale Jr. played the skipper on Gilligan's Island and many other movies and many other TV shows. And they really looked alike, too. The colonel was just saying they, they come from the same blood and the same cloth. Alan Hale and this movie, it's a wonderful movie, folks. It's from 1945, as I said, and it's just, it's about World War II. And the great General Claire Chenault and his flying tigers that fought and flew out of China against Japan. And this is before America even got into World War II. And Alan Hale, well, Alan Hale Sr., played Big Mike Harrigan, Father Harrigan, the local priest who helped the pilots and the communities there. But he was really good for the pilots. Alan Hale, by God, what a wonderful actor he was. And uh, he also played Little John, in, by the way, in the Errol Flynn Robin Hood. Great actor. Just always been terrific. And uh, you know what? The magic movie moment today is about him. It's about him playing Big Mike Harrigan, Father Harrigan. And he plays it so well. And he was terrific as an actor in everything he did, but he plays this so well. And he counsels, well, Dennis Morgan, for one thing, as one of the fighter pilots. And folks, there are scenes in that where he he speaks so softly and so sincerely and so spiritually. And he says, that's, well, that's why God is your co-pilot. And he explains what he thinks and what this and that means. It's well worth seeing, folks. He teaches lessons, and he helps that great group come together and stay together. And, oh, Raymond Massey, what a great actor he always was. And he plays the great General Chenault. And everything he did and everything he was just about to do. It's a wonderful movie, folks. Please see it. God is my co-pilot. And by the way, because life is just wonderful and funny sometimes, after my wife and I a few years ago wrote and produced and I started a pilot for television. Didn't get picked up, but you know what? It was terrific. We were very happy doing it. And afterwards... The wardrobe designer, well, uh, came by our house here that Eileen had asked her to come by because she wanted to get me some nicer clothes. And, uh, well, it's not a bad idea. Heck, any fella can always look a little nicer, and who's better to judge that than his wife? And this wonderful designer, and we had just worked with her on our TV show, and she came to the house, and her name was Chenault. And I said to her, uh, in our living room, as I started putting on clothes, I said, do you happen to be related in any way to Claire Chenault, the great General Chenault? And as Colonel Jeff said, 
when you ask something like that, and I had to ask, but when you do, he said, you always expect the answer to be, well, no, but I've I've heard that a lot over my life, and that'd be, about, that'd be a good answer, too. But she immediately said, yes, I am. He was my great uncle. And you know what, folks? I, and she said, does that mean something to you? And I said, it sure does. The great Claire Chenault changed, well, our armed forces. He changed our fortunes of war, especially in Asia. And then he became, he went into the regular army as a general. He changed a lot. So see that sometime, folks. God is my co-pilot. And write to me and tell me what you thought. And, you know, it, it, it means a lot to hear that story. And I wanted to tell you, by the way, where I was, because it's been a couple of weeks now since we had a a new show on. That wasn't because I was eating bonbons, you know, in bed with the mule slippers on. Okay, it was, but so what? I, I don't deserve some relaxing time? It, it does. Sure. Lying in bed eating bonbons. Whatever those are, by the way, I guess it's a French name. It means good goods, candies. But in any case, I wasn't doing that. And I got a really good part in what may just be a terrific movie. I, uh, I'm i very happy I got it. It came at the last minute. And uh, a terrific actor, you all know, named Bob Balaban, couldn't uh, do the part ultimately. And they called me up. They called my manager and said, you know what? You uh, you were number two, and we'd love you to have it. And I said, boy, that's great. And this was just the, well, the night before, and I hadn't read the script yet. And I said to my manager, I read the first five, ten pages, and it was wonderful. It was so beautifully written by Bob Krzykowski. You may not know that name right now, but you will. He's directed many things, as he and he wrote this script, and he directed the movie, and he's a great talent. And uh, the movie may have, uh, the name of the movie, by the way, is The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot, which, I don't know about you, I think may be the best title I've ever heard in show business. And it's not a comedy, by the way, but The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. That's the, and, and I told Bob, the director, I said, that should be your answer for every interview you do when this movie comes out. When they when they ask you what's it about, you just say to them, "Have you seen the title? Do you?" That's what it's about. It's a great movie, folks, starring Sam Elliott and so many other great talents. And uh, and I play his younger brother Ed, and it was wonderful. Sam's a great actor, and he was very happy I was there, and so was Bob, the director. They made me feel wonderfully at home. It was shot in western Massachusetts, in and around Deerfield. And boy, oh boy, it was a terrific place, a terrific script, and I think it's going to be a terrific movie. So that that's why I was for that. And by the way, Deerfield and all those places in western Massachusetts are so real. They are still so real. They look like that Deerfield was founded in 1673, and I'm telling you, 
a block away from the inn where we all stayed. It looks like 1673, and that's meant as a compliment, I think. But you know what? It's just beautiful, and it was so, the forests were so thick, and the hills and mountains were just, just absolute blanketed with, with trees, and it looks like, well, folks, it does look like that when, when the sun falls and it's nighttime, you want to close that door in your cabin and put the big piece of wood across it and sit there in your rocking chair with your musket, because it looked like that in 1673, and it sure still did. But that's where I was for about 10 days. I was very glad to get that part, and I think I think I was as good as I can be, and I was very happy with my work, and I got so much great feedback from Sam Elliott and from Bob Kruskowski, and uh, they're still there working, but I'm glad I was working with them. And then the week after that, well, I had a job. I was uh, working with Jerry Seinfeld in one of his great jobs. This was in uh, Redding, California, Redding, Northern California, and at a nice theater there. And what the people there were just terrific. What a beautiful part, again, a beautiful part of the country. By the way, I had been there before and didn't remember. What I mean by that is <laughs> that happens in show business sometimes. And I, it does to me that uh, people at the hotel and at the theater said, well, it's good to see you back. And I said, no, no, this is my first time here. And they all said, no, it's not. And I looked at them and said, well, in that case, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> they were wonderful jobs. And you know what? They give you great memories. I couldn't be there to do the show. I couldn't do it from the hotel there. I was working all day, too, on this great movie. And uh, so that's why I wasn't here. But I missed this show, and I missed you listening. And that's a great blessing, too. And there's a lot to miss, folks. Well, I mentioned Jerry Lewis just passed away. And holy mackerel, it just... Uh, he was 91 years old, and he was one of those fellows I thought, 91, I thought he was 191. And I mean that as a compliment. I, I mean that as someone who had so much power and talent and lasted so long. And that's why I wanted to mention, well, Dean Martin, too, because, boy, together they did so much, and then separately they did so much. I think Dean Martin is one of the greatest actors we've ever had. I think in, in, in Westerns, for drama also, and, and for comedy, he was Matt Helm, come to think of it. Boy, he was great in that part. And good Lord, Jerry Lewis, you know what? This is uh, taking a, this is a tip of the hat, Jerry. Good for you. God bless you, and I hope... I hope you you have a big, long eternity. That may not sound, make very much sense, but you know what I mean. And Dick Gregory passed away, too, just a few days before that. The great Dick Gregory. What a wonderful comedian he was. And then he also began along the way to be 
so uh, socially involved as, as 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 an activist we use words like that a lot these days but boy dick sure was he was involved and he was leading everything and all you had to do was hear him speak and see his face to know that you were looking at something that was highly connected and i always adored that guy and i always will and uh, well, rest in peace to both of you. But you know, I I, I think of that because, well, I mentioned uh, about trusting your kids in college. Well, this week, in fact, tomorrow, my wife and I will be taking our youngest son to his college. He's I've talked about our older boy as well. He's the Marine, and well, he's out there doing it. He's deployed. And he's a great Marine. And, uh, well, his younger brother we're taking to a, oh boy, a great college too. And it's, uh, my wife and I are going to, already arranged, we're going to take him to a nice restaurant for dinner tonight. One of his favorite places. And he likes the steak they have there. And, uh, boy, he's sleeping now, which is a great kid's thing to do. You know, I don't know why parents would ever fault their kids for sleeping late. He's graduated from high school. He's not going to high school anymore. He has a he has a job he took also delivering food. And uh but he he can sleep some. And it's wonderful. I envy him that and after we well, after we do our show today and I wash up and put on some fancy duds. Well, they won't be so fancy, but I'm, I'll get him up, see if he wants to go grab a breakfast, because he should be eating before his big dinner tonight with mom and dad. And, uh, well, after that dinner, we're going to come back here to the house to pack so we can get up early tomorrow and drive to the airport with him, and then we'll all fly to a very fine university three or four states away. And the day after that, we'll take him to his new dorm and meet his new roommates and check out his new classrooms and take his first trip to the bookstore for books for him and T-shirts for us. And then the day after that, we'll hug him goodbye. Oh, we love him so much. And then, then well, his mom and I will fly back home again and pick up our doggies at the doggy hotel and stop off and go shopping, get a little uh, food, get back in the house, turn all the lights on, look in the boys' rooms, and then begin the long journey of trying to remember what in the world we ever liked about each other in the first place. That's the, that's the serious parents' thing that I'm sure you've either gone through or heard about. Seriously, what do people do at a time like this? My wife and I like each other and love each other. We just forgot how to talk to each other. That's And that happens. We can't even watch TV together because we don't like the same things. She likes the Housewives of Orange County and a lot of news shows and uh, and things like that. And I like John Wayne and Sam Peckinpah. And there's no way you can't. I just can't say to her, hey, honey, come on in. The Searchers is on. And there are things she likes and things I like. So you know what? That's the job. That's the next goal. To remember not only that we love each other, but why we fell in love with each other. And uh, so that's why, 
And uh, that means that's why Colonel Jeff and I are sitting in our studio in the house on the mainland with no dogs and no people. In fact, when uh, Colonel Jeff came over today and the dogs didn't bowl him over with kisses, he and I just looked at each other and he knew that my wife had already taken the dogs to the doggy hotel before she went to work. And uh, by the way, the doggy hotel we go to is a very nice place because they broadcast the playroom for the dogs. And you can turn it on onto your laptop or your iPhone, wherever you are. If you're in a fancy restaurant having a cocktail with caviar halfway around the world, you can turn it on and toast your dogs and watch them. And I know that's true because we've done it. That may sound stupid, but it wasn't, you know, didn't sound stupid to us. We loved it. When the waiter comes back with your second drink and to take your order, you clink glasses and continue watching the dogs. And it doesn't bother the waiter because every other couple in the place is doing the same thing. And that's made, what made me think you can't watch your kids in college the same way which is lucky because that's exactly what all American parents would be doing. You know, just, uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to horn in on, well, their lives at, in, at, the, at this point in that way. And uh, you really can't do it. You going to see the boxing match this Saturday, Larry? No, I was thinking about it, but, uh, well, my wife and I are going to have a couple of drinks and watch Jimmy and Carol Ann on those spy cameras we set up at their schools. Did our grandparents do that with their kids? No. The Knights of Pythias had a fried chicken and whiskey dinner at their lodge that night. No one ever did that anywhere. The only ones who don't care what you watch are the dogs. They hop up on the bed and they, they cuddle between your legs and sleep, which proves once again dogs are still the only ones in life who know what they're doing. Well, we lost some great folks in in entertainment, and we take the ones we love to their next steps in college. And these are all great things to be able to do. And I know that, and you know that. And we know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's exactly what my wife and I are going to do when we come home. Be well, and we'll see you next time.